Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Brew producing the show today and always back from weekend debauchery. Were you happy with the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, as someone who was watching it, I'm usually the, if we can't beat them, join them group so i was initially rooting for the 49ers at first but then like you know over the weekend i'm like no i love patrick mahomes and everything very very entertaining fourth quarter yeah i i agree i was um i kind of went in without having a horse in the race but the more i started watching it the more i started pulling for andy Reid. i just i you know he he was he started out or he was a packers you know assistant coach for a while before he went to philadelphia and you know 61 years old and been coaching for 21 years it was and he seems like a good guy. I mean, he just he strikes me as a as a good guy. If it was Pete Carroll or somebody like that, or Bill Belichick, but but I, I was glad to see that uh, Andy Reid got the win, and it was it was just an incredibly entertaining fourth quarter. I mean, you know, you you think I'm watching this, and of course the 49ers are up twenty to ten, and then just completely crumble because. They decided to have their quarterback start throwing the ball, and that was the difference. If they had just run it, you wonder, wonder if it would have been safe. But I thought it was incredibly uh, – I thought it was just a really, really entertaining game. We will, a little bit later on in the show, be talking about the halftime show and also the commercials. To that point, if you did not get a chance to watch the commercials, um, I, I have a link. I sent it out. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I have a link. It's actually through USA Today, but they have a list of all the Super Bowl commercials. So you you can watch them all, and they have them ranked from number one to number 55 based on their panel of quote-unquote experts, and maybe you agree with them, maybe you don't. But if, if you want to see all the commercials, if there's stuff that people are talking about, you can follow this link, and uh, you'll have an opportunity to do that. Just before the show started, I spent about 20 minutes looking at a number of the commercials. Just in, in general, I was just saying this before. Given uh, some of the commercials I thought were incredibly creative and entertaining, and, of course, my, my test is always – Given how expensive the Super Bowl ads are, it's great to be creative. But at the end of the day, if you don't, number one, remember what the product is, or number two, aren't motivated to purchase the product, simply, okay, gee, that was a really creative ad, seems to me to be a waste of 5 or $10 million. I thought this year, in general, I thought the ads were pretty good. I thought they had a lighter tone, which I thought was appropriate for the game. There, there weren't a lot of the really heavy ones, although I, I will say, maybe it was just sentimental, the, the one for the University of Wisconsin the, with the dog, oh my gosh, I, I mean, that's for any of us who are our pet lovers. I mean, that was just that was an incredibly good ad. I mean, it just kind of touched the heartstrings. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, and we will talk about the um, show as well. But if you want to get a head start, if you're wondering, gosh, is there a place that I could go see some of these? Because I, I, I didn't see them all. 
um, if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620, I've got a link. Hey, this is just to start off with Summerfest had a big announcement today, and it's very good news for the festival, which, by the way, we're going to be talking about the latest developments in the war that one crazy, nasty alderman has decided to start with Summerfest. But they're announcing, you know, they're starting to roll out their schedule. Guns and Roses. Still big act. Guns and Roses, there was a time that there wasn't a hotter act than Guns and Roses around, and it's still a big deal. They are touring North America this summer, and typically they play stadiums. They sell out stadiums. They're going to be opening their tour at Summerfest. And what's so cool about this, first of all, it's Guns and Roses coming to Milwaukee. But secondly, you know, the the venue that you have, the American Family Amphitheater, it seats 23,000. And it, you know it's going to be packed for this particular show. But typically, you know, they're going to be playing in venues that have 50 or 60 or 70 or 80,000. So I, I'm not saying necessarily a 20,000 seat, 3,000 seat venue is intimate. But at the same time, compared to a lot of the places they're going to be playing, it, it's intimate. And if you are a fan, this is going to be great. One of the other things that is so cool about this – from a perspective of Summerfest and their business. This is their July 4th show. Now, if you will recall last year, July 4th w- was a disaster because they, they were dark on July 4th. They had originally booked Ozzy Osbourne to come out and play. Ozzy Osbourne canceled his entire tour, and he was supposed to play last July 4th. He canceled his entire tour because of illness. And so then they, they went to the opening act, another you know heavy metal band. They ended up having to cancel with three or four weeks' notice because their, their lead singer had become sick as well. So rather than just try to scramble and, and just put on an act for the sake of putting on an act they went dark on on july 4th on which you know and it, and it hurts when you're, you're looking at attendance obviously to have the amphitheater dark is is bad number one number two what's so cool about guns and roses coming from the Summerfest business perspective is july 4th tends to be a low attendance day at Summerfest. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, that doesn't make any sense. It's a holiday. Why would July 4th be a low attendance day? Well, it's because July 4th is a day where lots of people have lots of stuff that's going on. You know, maybe, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I have a July 4th routine that I have been following for years and years. You probably go to, maybe you go to a parade during the day. You go to a, a picnic. In our case, we have a friend who lives right by a county park where they shoot off fireworks. So typically, you know, they have a party every July 4th in the evening. So people have all sorts of other things to do. So it's always a difficult day, even though it's a holiday. It's always a difficult day to get people down to the Summerfest grounds. You have an act like Guns N' Roses, which I I will be shocked if it is not a sellout, and I would be shocked if it's not a sellout quickly. You know, it's going to be bringing people down there. So from a business perspective, this is great. Um, if you are a Guns N' Roses fan, this is great. All very cool. Good news for Summerfest. And I know some people have been saying, oh, Summerfest is kind of over. The attendance has been down for the last few years. I think weather permitting, looking at the main stage acts that they're starting to roll out, this I think you're going to see a big rebound at Summerfest this year. When we come back, no good deed goes unpunished versus rules are rules. I will explain. We'll open up the phone lines. I cannot wait to discuss this with you. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. She was fired. Her manager was fired. U.S. Bank 
originally defended this decision. Did they get it right? Rules are rules versus doing the right thing. Here is the story. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a moment, but I want to discuss this with you. All right, here's the deal. Portland, Oregon. What you have is you have a U.S. bank, and you have a, a customer who apparently has very, very little money in his account. He's just switched jobs, and he's gotten his first paycheck. The paycheck's in the amount of like $1,009. All right, now keep in mind, this all starts on December 23rd. December 24th is Christmas Eve. December 25th is, of course, Christmas. Guy deposits the $1,009 check into his bank account. Right? And essentially, his bank account has almost nothing in it. So he deposits the check. This is the first check that he has gotten from his new employer. Puts it in there. The bank puts a hold on the check. They say, we can't release the funds to you until your check clears. Right, And so, you know, because what they do is, you know, they'll take the check, they'll send it to the bank that issued the check, they will clear it normally. And this isn't unusual. I mean, normally it takes a day or two or three for, you know, checks to clear. And again, in this case, the guy's got almost no money in his account, and it's not even like there's a, this is the first check he's gotten from this new employer. So it's December 23rd. He has deposited the, he has deposited the, the check and he can't get access to the funds the the bank where he deposited the funds the u.s bank they, they won't give him access so what he does is he calls this is the 23rd he calls the like 800 number the u.s bank call center and he he gets this woman her name is emily james she's a banker at u.s bank she's you know worked there for like six months and he goes through this and he says look it's, it's christmas coming up I deposited this money, but the the assets, the funds are are all tied up. I I can't I can't get them, and I I need the money because I have no money, and Christmas is coming up. So December twenty third, I think that was a Monday, if memory serves. That this woman, who's the senior banker, she says she they, she spends more than an hour trying to help the guy get the funds released. Um. Anyways, it, it doesn't it, – it's not – she's not able to do it. This is on Monday the 23rd. So what she says is she says, okay, here's what I recommend you do. Go to the local U.S. bank branch the following morning. This is December 24th. And ask the bank manager to verify the funds from the issuing bank. She's like, okay, maybe – so I, presumably that's go in, get the manager to call the other bank and guarantee that this check is good so they can free up the money. All right, December 24th, Christmas Eve. He goes to the bank. Um, he gets the boss to verify his employment, but the branch manager is on vacation. The closing – the bank is closing early because of the holiday, and he's told there's no one who could lift the hold. In other words – you're, you're out of luck. No no money. Woman at the bank tells him, my hands are tied. I can't do anything. He says when he leaves the branch bank, the workers lock the door behind him. All right, so that's it. So he's, he's out of luck. Again, now it's Christmas Eve in the afternoon. He calls the U.S. Bank 800 number again and ends up, he gets the same woman he had talked to before. He says at this time, he's calling from a gas station in his 
local area. He's trying to use his debit card to fill his tank. He says he, he can't. It's not working. He's, the debit card's not working. He's got no money. It's Christmas Eve. The money in his account is frozen because it hasn't cleared the other bank, and he's just out of luck. He says, he says to the woman at the call center, I wish I had just 20 bucks to get home. All right. The woman, this is the U.S. Bank call center, says, wait a second, hold on. Um, she said, uh, no, normally she's getting calls from all over the country. She said, so it's rare to speak to someone local. But the, the deal is this guy, he's calling. He's at this gas station that's actually only a couple miles away from where she's located. She tells him, stay put. And she would come out personally within 30 minutes to give him some gas money. Um, he says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. So what she does is she goes to her supervisor. She says, you know, here, here's the, here's the deal. Um, this is the situation. I want to go find this guy. I want to give him $20. And the supervisor says, okay, that, that's fine. Go ahead. She drives out. She finds the guy at the gas pump. She gives him $20 so he can buy gas. All right. So that's, that's the story. She goes back. She finishes her shift. She comes in on Monday the 30th. Um, all of a sudden, then, so she works a couple of days, she's called in on the uh, New Year's Eve, and she's told, I'm sorry, you're being fired because you had an unauthorized interaction with the customer. U.S. Bank has these very firm policies where the employees are under no circumstances supposed to go out and and meet with, you know, people that call them up. Because, I mean, if you think this through, I mean, anything could happen. She, she doesn't know who this guy is. Now she's, you know, been interacting with him for a day. She goes out. She leaves work, got permission from the supervisor. She leaves work. She goes out. She interacts with this guy at a, at a gas station. He could kill her. He could kidnap her. You know, all those sort of things. So they have a policy that you don't meet customers. You're at the call center. You know, you, you do everything you can to help them, but you don't go and give them money. So they fire her. And they also turn around and fire her supervisor, who had given her permission to leave. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This story has now gone viral. Matter of fact, um, one of the columnists for the New York Times wrote about it yesterday. So um, this is being talked about all over. U.S. Bank's position was, hey, look, we've got these rules. And, And the rules are rules that make sense you know we, we appreciate that she wanted to provide this extra layer of customer service but we can't have employees going out and meeting people that have called whatever their motivation is we can't have them leaving our offices going out and, and meeting up with people at gas stations 15 miles away from their, their place if something would have happened to this lady well can you just imagine you know what our exposure would have been now the flip side is Hey, you know, we talk about customer service. This is a lady who was going the extra mile to help out a customer. And by the way, it was Christmas Eve, and she felt she was doing the right thing. So let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. U.S. Bank fires her. U.S. Bank fires her supervisor for offering this, for having her leave. The rules say you're not supposed to interact with customers. She clearly violated the rule. Should they have fired her? 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Rules are rules versus, my goodness, that this is the kind of person, if you ever had a problem, this is the kind of service that you would love to get from a bank, an insurance company, whatever. All right, 855-616-1620. Should she have been fired? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Charles in Milwaukee. Hi, Charles. Hi. Uh, I just have a couple things to say. Sure. Why, when the guy first went to t- cash the check or put it into his account, didn't the the lady, the teller or the supervisor, tell him that he could take it to the bank where it was made out from? And they would cash it for about five bucks. Don't know. Don't know. Okay, you know because that—that's what she. They should have told her, told him, because mm-hmm. then he would have been able to get his money, put the money in cash into his account, and he would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what bank had issued the, the check. I don't know if it was a local bank or I don't know if it was a national bank. I don't know where the paycheck came from. But let's talk about the issue. That okay, so. That's not what happens. He deposits in his account. There's like no money in there. She, this would be the call center person, feels bad for him and runs out to give him $20 on Christmas Eve. Should she have been fired? No. She should have probably been told what what was happening. Why wasn't she instructed on this mm-hmm. well, when she was hired? Well, no, th- I mean, I, I think, no, and in fairness now, she knows. I, I don't think she's arguing. She didn't know the rules. Uh, the the she asks the supervisor, the supervisor and her. I, I think, in fairness to the bank, they these two people knew that they were violating the rules. They they knew the rule said you don't leave the call center, you don't go meet third parties, and and this is a rare sort of thing because, like I say, it's a national call center. Most of the times, you know, it's an eight hundred number. You're getting calls from uh, Mobile, Alabama, or Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In this particular circumstance it's a guy who is in the the next county over who's like 14 minutes away from where they were so in most situations you wouldn't have the ability to do this but she makes a decision that she's going to do it and help him out 855-616-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line the bank fires her for violating the rules and fires the supervisor for letting her break the rules back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jenny from Appleton. Hi, Jenny. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think? Should they have fired her? Um, I think it's completely ridiculous, and I don't agree with them firing her. And I'm actually embarrassed to be banking with U.S. Bank because of this. I think it was great customer service. I'm a customer service supervisor, and I would have done the same thing, and I would have let my employee do the same thing. They... The, the employee went out of her way and did a good deed and was being a good Samaritan. But my question is, was the employee clocked out and off the clock? Because if she was, 
I don't feel that she should have been fired for something she went and did off of company time. Yeah, I don't know. I know she came back and finished her shift. I don't know if she clocked out. Oh, let let me ask you this, Jane. Let's let's say she does this. She shows up at the gas station, and it turns out that the guy is a serial killer who is waiting for her, who robs her, kills her, stuffs her in his trunk, and then drives the body somewhere. What what happens then? Do do we is U.S. Bank liable? Is that a concern that they have or should have? No, absolutely not. If she was off the clock, then U.S. Bank was not would not be liable. As terrible as that sounds and if it were to ever happen that's very terrible but that's a chance that woman took going to that gas station and doing her good deed as, as bad as it sounds but that would be on her that was her decision mm-hmm. if she, it wasn't u.s bank's decision it was that individual's decision to go there and meet a person to do a good deed so absolutely not u.s bank would not be liable for something like that if that were to happen now if the lady was clocked in or yeah. if the person let's assume that that's was the clocked case. in let's assume that that's okay the case. then if she was clocked in then yes then yes i think you're 100 percent right i do think that u.s bank would be liable for that situation if that were to happen right. i do think they would be liable but, but at course, the same time i don't agree with them getting fired right no thanks and, and of course and, and again it, it didn't happen and that that's that's why they have the rule it's like it's the reason that that stores have the rules that say don't confront shoplifters. I mean, it's, it's a similar sort of thing. You know, we, we've talked about this before, whether it's Walmart or Target or whatever. They, they just instruct the employees, if you see shoplifting, we don't want you getting involved because I think the concern is you run out into the parking lot because you've got some guy that's just stolen a bunch of Game Boys or whatever. He pulls a gun. He shoots you. Um, and then, you know, is there live, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, the Walmart or Target or whatever, they don't want their employees getting shot, but it's why they have these policies that are there that say that don't confront it. The rule, I mean, I understand why U.S. Bank would have a rule that says, we don't we don't want you leaving the premises clocked in or clocked out we don't want you leaving the premises and meeting third parties because you don't know what their story is you know you you know that you've talked to this guy but there's a lot of strange people out in the world and and yes th- this might be the guy's story but again you you show up he turns out to be a serial killer and you know then where are you patrick in port washington patrick you're on wtmj i couldn't agree with you more on the point you just raised is that there are are a lot of strange people in the world um and there is a duty by the supervisor to even if she is on duty or off duty to counsel her and say hey is it really worth it and this is our policy um and if you do it on your own time it is on you but i still think there's some culpability if she doesn't counsel her to not do it right on the other side the other side that I see is that's the, that's the stuff that Super Bowl commercials are made of, where you know it's a feel good thing. It's Christmas Eve, and yep. we do all we can to make sure that this downtrodden guy that just got his first paycheck, yep. we made sure he got home to his family on Christmas Eve. So I see both sides. I don't think she should have been fired. I think she did violate policy. Supervisor violated policy, and there probably should be letters of reprimand in their in their files. Uh, with a strong warning, I don't think a, a termination right. um, yeah, might Pat- be a little bit bit much. Right, Patrick. I, thanks for calling. I I couldn't agree with you more. This this is 
All right. First of all, I understand the purpose for the rule. I, I get it. You don't. And I, I mean, it's a good rule. You know, you, you don't want some, you know, 800 operator number operator leaving the premises on work time or off time and running out and meeting strangers. I mean, that nothing, you know, the, I mean, the potential for bad stuff happening is just really, really great. Having said that, in this particular case, it, it didn't. And to me, I agree with what you just said, Patrick. This th- th- what a what a golden PR opportunity this would be for U.S. Bank. Now, right, I, I understand she violated their protocol, but man, when, when you when you look at this and you think of all the stories that are out there about how you know uncaring you know corporations that don't care about people and etc. Th- this is an example. Look at our employee who you know recognized that this guy was getting rogered because he, he was not able to get his money. He's got a nine and a thirteen year old kid at home who aren't going to have money for for Christmas because the bank hasn't cleared. He can't even put money in his gas in, in his car. And so she went above and beyond. This is the friendly bank. This is the great bank. Forget all this talk about local banks. We are an international bank, and this is what we've done. It would have been a great PR moment to seize on. Now, I understand bad stuff could have happened, but but in this particular case, it, it didn't. I agree with you, Patrick. Here's what I do. If I'm, if I'm U.S. Bank, I whistle the supervisor in and this gal, and I say, look, I understand what was driving you. I understand that, you know, what your motivation was. We, we appreciate that. You can't do that moving forward because these are all the things that, these are all the things that would happen. This is why we have these rules. So you can't do it anymore. But you know what? In this particular case, all's well that ends well. You, you know, went out, you helped this guy, you gave him the $20 so he could put gas in his car, et cetera, et cetera. And I turned it into a feel-good story. My gosh, I'm, I'm calling Good Morning America. I'm calling the Today Show. I'm calling the local newspapers, or at least encouraging the guy to do it. Cause then the story is going to be, guy gets caught up in the evil banking system, you know, can't get money, can't even buy gas on Christmas Eve. And some woman who works at an 800 calls center decides that she's going to take this upon herself u.s bank the bank with a heart it was a would be a great public relations opportunity again i get the rule that's why you have to counsel them you whistle them in you call them you counsel them you explain to them why you have this rule and you tell them don't do it again I, i i get it you tell them don't do it again but under the circumstances rather than firing them i would take advantage of it this is the kind of publicity that you can't buy it's a great story and they ended up screwing it up now right before i came on the air i was doing a little bit of follow-up on this after all this and and this they were writing about this in the oregon papers but yesterday like i say it was a subject of a big column in the new york times so it's really gone viral apparently earlier this morning u.s bank uh the president came out with this statement saying well we're going to take a we're going to take another look at this (laughs) and and maybe maybe we should re-examine the the firings in this case to which the answer is yes but you do kind of want to shake them and say why didn't you see this in in the first place and again rules are rules i understand it but every once in a while there are exceptions and the truth of the matter is this is if you were in that situation if you were the guy stuck at the gas station who doesn't have enough money to put gas in his car so he can get home and see his kids on christmas eve because the bank closed early etc etc wouldn't you love to have a bank that cares wouldn't you love to have a call center person say you know what well i'm only 10 miles away i can get there in 15 minutes or something i'm going to go do it that's the kind of publicity you can't pay for and they ended up firing her, even though they are apparently rethinking it. Huh. All right. When we come back, 
What about that halftime show? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor of Jeff Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase is the Washington County Builders Association. Stop by the Washington County Fair Park February 7th through February 9th. That's this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the 2020 WCBA Home Building and Remodeling Expo featuring an outstanding fish fry on Friday night. I know the place that caters it. They're great. A visit from our very own Mr. Fix-It, Tom Faze, on Saturday and a birdhouse or toolbox building station for the kids. How cool is that? That is the 2020 WCBA. CBA Home Building and Remodeling Expo. It's this weekend, Friday, February 7th through the 9th at the great Washington County Fair Park. All right. So, great Super Bowl game. Kansas City makes a big comeback. I think it was interesting, held people's attention. We're going to talk about the ads that ran prior to, during, and then after the Super Bowl. If you if you want to look at some of them again, and you follow me on Twitter, at JeffWagner620, I, I sent out a link through USA Today that has a list of all the Super Bowl commercials, and you can click on, on each one of them if you want to watch a couple. I'd say, I've heard people talking about this, and I missed it. I've, I've got a link. All you have to do is follow me at JeffWagner620. A lot of conversation going on about the halftime show. Halftime show featured Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Uh, let me see. How can I describe this? If you saw it, you, you know what I mean. It was certainly not family-friendly entertainment. Um, what, what you saw is you saw... You saw a lot of the stuff that I would imagine you see if you go to a Jennifer Lopez or uh, concert in Las Vegas or a Shakira show. Um, they... they there, there's a lot of there's a lot of what they used to say TNA with emphasis on on the A. A lot of butt shaking. They're in you know kind of provocative sort of outfits. There's um, a lot of crotch shots. Um, there's again a, a lot of dancing and shaking their booty and that type of thing. There's at least one point. You know, Jeff, Jennifer Lopez did this movie last year, and so she's up on a on a stripper pole swinging around on it. Don't necessarily know that when they first had the Super Bowl, you'd ever anticipate that the halftime show would be a stripper pole. But I, I thought it was an entertaining show. They're very, very talented women, but it was definitely a PG-13 show, maybe maybe an R-rated show. You know, maybe. Um, no wardrobe malfunctions, but a lot, of, a lot of skin, a lot of provocative dancing, all that sort of stuff. This this has set off a, a huge debate. Let me just share some of the emails that people were or tweet some of the tweets that people were sending out as is reflected in USA Today. The Super Bowl halftime show was just a bad strip show. We've had so much positive discussion about not treating women like sexual objects, and then they go and do this. You can't cry that women need to be treated better, then support this display of sexual object objectifying. Another tweet. I'm no prude, but watching this with my seven-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son was really uncomfortable. Another tweet. I'm embarrassed for my kids to watch this halftime show. What the hell? Stripper poles, crotch and rear end shots, no dignity. Um, shame on you, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Um, other people said, "Oh, this is great. These are these are grown women. One's forty-three, one's fifty. You know, they're they're being sexual. They're fabulous. This is tremendous." All right, I don't. I don't want to discuss so much the idea of, you know, was this appropriate for a Super Bowl halftime show simply because, you know, if you're watching it with your kids, 
you know, and and you become uncomfortable. Gee, what's that woman doing on that pole? Why is she doing those dancing? You know, you, you can always send them off to the kitchen to grab some pizza or chili or, or whatever. So that's that's a decision mom and dad can always cover their eyes. I think what is interesting about this, though, is, all right, let us accept the premise that this show involved two very talented women um, performing in an often provocative way. I think that would be a, a fair thing to say. All right, is is this, given the fact that, you know, we're now in the, the post-Me Too era where we're not supposed to objectify women, et cetera, et cetera, did, did that show, was that show uncomfortable? Did that show, all right, just highlight these incredibly talented women, you know, who've got these great dance moves, and let's face it, you know, really great bodies, really great bodies, I'm going to say for their age, but I mean, these are really great bodies, period. Um, or was this one of, hey, you know, we've been so concerned about, you know, the NFL's treatment of women and objectifying women, and here you trot out this type of show. All right, was it appropriate? Was it inappropriate? Not from the perspective of kids watching it, but rather from the perspective of, all right, post Me Too, we were told, you know, you shouldn't be looking at women and you shouldn't be judging them just based on their body. And then you put Jennifer Lopez on a stripper pole. All right, th- was that appropriate? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Look, I, you know, it didn't bother me, but I don't have kids. And I, I do think you, you can't, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. And this is an issue that I think we are wrestling with in our society now, where you say, all right, well, you're, you know, you're not supposed to objectify women, but then, oh, look, you know, she's trotting around on a stripper pole. All right, how did you react? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Sandy, um, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Sandy and Wausau. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Sandy. Hey, I I absolutely loved the show. Um, my comment was, I first of all, I've never been in a strip club, so I don't look at what she did on that pole as sexual. I looked at her athleticism, athleticism mm-hmm. of being on that pole and what she could do. Do you know how good a shape you have to be in in order to do what she did? <laughs> I can only I mean, imagine. It's unbelievable. Yep. yep. Well, and me... as far as and as far as as far as the crotch shots, that that's the camera. That has nothing to do with them saying, "Hey, take a picture of my crotch." That that is that's the camera. Well, but it, you're not you're not saying. I mean, they they know what they're doing. I mean, don't. I mean, they're they're. I, I guess they they were they were. You would agree that they were playing on their sexuality, right? Well, no, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm going to disagree. And this is probably the first time I'm disagreeing with you, actually. Okay. All right. Well, that's okay. Um, I, I guess, I mean, thanks. Uh, you I, know, I, look, I mean, I understand. I guess here, here's the question. I mean, and I mean, and this is what people are debating. Was this empowering for women or do you think it objectified women? Well, you know, I was I looked at it a whole different perspective as mm-hmm. far as I just I was in awe and what oh. wonderful shape they're in with all the dancing they're doing. Yep. Um, obviously, they were lip syncing. I wasn't crazy about the lip sync. But, you know, I was looking at the shape that they're oh, in yeah, and yeah. I was admiring that. And, I, you know, are, are they supposed to be out there with uh, bonnets and turtlenecks on? No. I mean, seriously. No, they're, no they're and I don't dancing. think anybody. No, right. And I, think, and I don't think anybody would say they should be out there with or at least I certainly wouldn't argue they should be out there with bonnets and turtlenecks. And, and by the way, I I, I I was amazed with their 
I was amazed with their entertainment value as well and the shape they were in. I think this would have been a perfectly appropriate show for, you know, a showroom in Las Vegas. You know, I mean, absolutely perfect. I I guess the question was for the the Super Bowl audience, does it does it go too far? And uh, again, are was this empowering? Oh, look, you've got these women, 50-year-old women. Woman, look what she's doing up there in the pole. Look at the shape she's in. Or is it, hey, we're treating her like an object. Let's look at this woman, and, and are people just ogling her? And as far as, well, the, the camera making the shots, I, I mean, it, this is pretty much choreographed. I mean, I, I think, in, in fairness, they know the suggestiveness of the different things that they are, are doing. Let's talk to uh, Chris in Hartford. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Chris. Hi. I was I totally don't agree with that first caller. I think I was so disturbed that these two women that have all this talent can can get up on stage and and cheapen themselves, make them look like they were they're you're right, Las Vegas strippers. And I, I just it's not the camera. This woman came down on the stage on her knees and slid all the way into the camera with her crotch showing. Yeah. So that was totally disturbing, and I'm not a prude. I yeah. love Shakira, I love J Lo, but it just was wrong. So for the for the Super Bowl, that's what you're saying. It's again, if you're if you're at yes. if you're at, if you're at Caesar's Palace watching the the J Lo show on a Saturday night in Vegas, perfectly appropriate. The kind of stuff that you yes. you expect. Yeah. Um, oh, I, sure. Yeah. Again, thanks. I see, and it's just. I mean, I I wrestle with this because, like, like I said, I don't have kids at home. I'm not covering. I'm going. Oh, they are incredibly talented, and yes, they're in great shape. And look at all these different dance moves. At the same time, I have to admit, I'm thinking, boy, what was the NFL thinking, especially in the post Me Too era, where we're saying you shouldn't treat women as sexual objects? Something I, I agree with, and then. You know, you have these incredibly talented women who are flaunting their sexuality. And as far as like the, the butt shots and the crotch shots and all that type of stuff, I don't think it's fair to blame it on the camera. I mean, that's what the show was, was built around. Was it an entertaining show? Yeah. Was it a good show? Yeah. Was it the most appropriate show to put on for Super Bowl halftime? That's where I think the debate comes in. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Melissa, before you leave, I need, I need you to be a witness. I, in the last segment of the program, we mm-hmm. were having a conversation and, and about the appropriateness of the Super Bowl halftime show. And look, from my perspective, I, I mean, Shakira, J-Lo, Incredibly talented women, you know, doing all this stuff. Um, I, I think, you know, the act clearly appropriate for the stage at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just a question of, you know, for the Super Bowl show, especially in this era where post Me Too, where we say we shouldn't objectify women, I, you know, to, to run this show where they're up on stripper poles and there's all this shaking of their booty and there's all the crotch shots and things like that. I, I thought, yeah, that was probably, I think, going too far, especially if we're concerned about objectifying women. So I, that was, the, and we had callers from both mm-hmm, sides mm-hmm. and texts from both sides. During the break, I get a text from somebody that says, you are a prude. So, look, I, I sent, I, I almost never answered, but I sent back and said, look, I am many things, some good, some bad, but I'm definitely not a prude. Now, so, so Melissa, I just, I mean, 
Am I and that's true. You rarely text back to people. I almost never do. No, you'll, you'll it, say their stuff on the air, but right. to text them back, right. that takes a lot. Uh, okay, but you and I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. do, do you think I am a I don't. Prude? No, <laughs> I don't think you're a prude, no. <laughs> no, good, no, exactly. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, if I was in Las Vegas and, you know, Jennifer Lopez was performing at, you know, Caesars Power, wherever, you know, MGM Grand, I, I'd seriously think, hey, that might be a pretty good show that she puts on and stuff. But at the same time, it, it's a time and a place sort of stuff. That's what my concern was. So, yeah. no prude. You're okay. not a prude. Thank you. I, I just, I want, I, <laughs> I'll I, confirm that. I, yeah, I just, I, again, I'm many things. All right. Here, here's the deal. There's an interesting story. This has been... With the exception of November, it has been a mild winter, knock on wood. And if you look at the 10-day forecast, it, it continues to look like it, it's going to be mild. I think the, the high temperature for pretty much every day over the next 10 days, assuming the weather people get it right, is that it's going to be above freezing. Um, no polar vortex like last year. Remember, my gosh, that was, what, last Wednesday we had the 40 below wind chill, just kind of like the stupid cold. Um, yesterday, actually, like a record all-time high, I think, for the area, and and as far as I'm concerned, you know, bring it on. Right now it's 40 degrees at our studio. And I, I still figure that we're going to get some winter. Now, keep in mind, for people who say it's been such a mild winter, you know, we, we got slammed in, you know, November and early December. It was absolutely horrible. So, I mean, we, we got slammed back then. So I, I tend to believe that things even out. And, and we've had a couple really bad winters. So, again, things sort of even out. And I also acknowledge that it's... Even if you look at the 10-day forecast, that takes us to mid-February. And you can you can still get some cold weather, and you can certainly get some snow at the end of February and March. My only point is every day we get closer to March and April, even if you get cold weather, the chances of it staying – and I'm talking about – I'm not talking about – to temperatures in their 20s and 30s. I'm talking about the zero or five below zero, that, that stuff where you just you know can't function. Um, the, the chances of us getting long, prolonged snaps of that you know, diminish greatly. Can we get snow in March? Of course we can get snow in March, but, but even so, even if we get snow in March, chances are it's going to go away quicker than if you get a bunch of snow at the end of December and then you get the January cold. So it's been a mild comparatively mild winter since we got through with the first um, couple weeks of of winter back in November. But still, you know, we've had stuff to clean up from. There's no question we've had to go out. You know, you've had to shovel walks and things like that. We have a local ordinance. If you live in Whitefish Bay, they have an ordinance on their books which prohibits the use of, I'm going to just simplify this, you can't use snow blowers overnight. That's essentially the rule. If you live within X number of feet of a neighbor of another house, which almost all people do, you, you can't use snowblowers. You can't use lawnmowers as well. And, I mean, I guess I, I understand the lawnmowers. There's nothing that says that you have to go out and cut your grass at 5 o'clock in the morning in the summer when it, it gets, you know, when it first gets light. And, and then, you know, the lawnmower is going to wake up everybody. Uh, snow blowers and snow removal, to me, is a completely different thing. Now, I bring this up because there's a story in the Chicago Tribune over the weekend about how um, there is there's a, a city that has an ordinance. The ordinance prohibits the use of noise-causing machinery between the hours of 10 at night and 7 a.m. on weekdays and between 10 and 8 on weekends or holidays. 
All right. So the idea, again, being you don't want people cutting their grass at eight o'clock in the morning um, at, at, at two o'clock in the morning. You don't have to do that. You don't want people out there with power saws, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, working in their front yard. The ordinance in this case, unlike the one in Whitefish Bay, has an exception. Snow removal equipment is exempt from the law. So in other words, if it snows and you want to go out and you want to snow blow your driveway at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're entitled to snow blow your driveway at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, it's a story about a couple guys who live in one of these communities who are upset because there's all these snow plows, private snow plows, that are out there, you know, with the blinking lights and the noise, and they're out there plowing their dri- people's driveways in the middle of the night. Or another, in this one situation, the guy's got a neighbor down the block, he gets his snow blower out, and he's out there at 3.30 in the morning, and he's blowing the snow off his driveway. And you've got people who are complaining and who are going to the city demanding that they adopt an ordinance similar, for example, to the one they have in Whitefish Bay, which prohibits snow removal overnight. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand why you shouldn't cut your grass at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning in the summer. I get it. There's no reason you have to cut your grass at 5 o'clock or 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday and wake everybody up. There's nothing magic about that. When it snows, though, if you have to be at work early in the morning, you got to get your driveway cleared. And this idea that I'm going to wait until 7 o'clock in the morning to snow blow my driveway, or if you have a plow company that's going to come to say to that plow company, you got to wait till 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning before you start plowing people's driveways, I, I think I think it's insane. I get the noise ordinance. I don't have a problem with the noise ordinance in general, but it seems to me it is ridiculous not to make exceptions for snow removal equipment because snow removal equipment is different than cutting grass. It's different from home improvements. You know, when it snows and you got to get out of your driveway, if you got to be to work at 7.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning, you're going to have to snow below your driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning. And it doesn't happen that often, but if it does annoy your neighbors, well, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just part of what comes with living in an area where there's snow. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we prevent people from removing snow with with a mechanical device either or a plow should we stop them from doing that till seven or eight o'clock in the morning so other people can sleep in my answer is no we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line jeff wagner on wtmj Yeah, that expo is this weekend, and uh, it's, uh, I tell you, the the people that put it together do a great job. It's at the Washington County Fairgrounds. They've got over 50 local exhibitors. They've got a great fish fry on Friday night. Tom Faze is there, 11 to 1 on Saturday. Check it out. Um, Spring is coming. It is, it is. And that gets gets you some great ideas for your home improvement needs. Uh, Let us talk to Sue in Cedarburg. Hi, Sue. You're on WTMJ. Hello. I agree with you 100%. Yes, I can sleep in in the morning. I'm retired. But goodness gracious, people have to get to work. They need to get their driveways plowed. And 
if it's one morning, you don't get to sleep too bad, so sad. Well, Sue, what about what about the people that have small children and the, the snowblower next door wakes the kids up at 3 o'clock in the morning? What about that? Yeah, they still have to get to work, my goodness gracious. Just deal with it. It's not every morning. Yeah. It's just once in a while when we have these big snowstorms. So just deal with it. Be respectful of your neighbors who need to get to work. Yeah, the thing, I, see, I, I agree completely. Uh, again, if this was one of these deals where you've got the neighbor from you know where who's out cutting their lawn at, at 530 as soon as the sun comes up on that Saturday morning and waking up the whole neighborhood, I understand the beef. Because, you know, the, the, the lawn, maybe it's the most convenient time for him or her to do it, but it doesn't have to be cut at 530 in, in the morning on a Saturday. Similarly, you know, if you've got carpentry work and you've got the power saws out there, you don't have to start working at 530 on the Saturday or the Sunday morning. You, you don't have to do that. It, it's a different sort of thing. But when it comes to snow, you've got to get rid of that snow. You've got to be able to get to work. And and candidly, if that means I, – look, I my guess is – my guess is the people that are out snow blowing their, their driveways at four o'clock in the morning would in almost all situations much rather be in bed sleeping too, but they know that they've got to be at work. Their shift starts at six o'clock in the morning or whatever, so they've got to get the driveway cleared so they can get out of the driveway. And similarly for the, the people that, you know, hire the snow plows to come in, you know, the guy on the truck or whatever. Oh, okay. Y- yes, I, I know they've got backup lights and stuff like that, but again, you know, this doesn't happen that often, but when it happens, you've got to have the driveway cleared. Okay, let's go to some text here. Jeff, how much, uh, from, Mike from Marquette, Michigan, with how much snow we get up here, using a snowblower or a plow is a necessity. If I'm in the middle of a snowstorm at 6 a.m. on a workday, why would I spend the better part of an hour shoveling when I can snowblow my car out in 10 minutes? You know, apps, Absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. Um, Jeff, I start work at 4 a.m., although I shovel. I totally agree with you. I am out at 2.30 getting everything cleared out. Yeah, that that's the, that's the deal. I have another text here that says that they get home. They, they work like a second shift. They get home at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And the guy says, hey, I get home at 3 o'clock in the morning. If it's been snowing, you know, since I went to work, you can't even get in the driveway. Can't get my car in the driveway, so I have to park outside the driveway, and I have to go out, and I have to plow it. I mean, I, I is that an annoyance? And, and, and like I say, I... I mean, in the in the complex I live in, I live in a condo, so um, you know these are side by side houses, but they're condos, and so they have a service that comes in the middle of the night and and they plow the driveway. And, and yes, I guess it's possible that I might hear the driveway or my neighbor's driveways being plowed in the middle of the night. But you know what? I roll over and I go back to sleep. That's how I handle it. I go back to sleep. And I am very, very glad that when I wake up, go out to take the dog out at 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever, today it was 5.30, whatever time she decides that she wants to get up, I am very, very glad that, hey, somebody has come and they have cleaned out the driveway so I don't have to worry about it and I can pull my car out and it's not going to be a hassle. I, I You know, th- this is... These ordinances, and I guess what struck me about this, I, I've always thought some of the local ordinances, like the one in Whitefish Bay, are nothing short of insane. Now, the only the only saving grace is I haven't heard in all these years, I haven't heard of anybody being ticketed under the ordinance. But, you know, in the case of the Chicago Tribune story, you have people who are actually upset that their neighbors are snow blowing their driveways at three o'clock in the morning. And they are trying to pressure the local government to change the ordinance to make that illegal, which point I would simply say, really? I mean, can't 
Can't we all get along? People do need to get to places, and it's not like they're cutting their grass. It's that they're cleaning their driveways because it does snow. And if you don't want to deal with people running snowblowers at 3.30 in the morning, I have one word, Naples. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Heart disease is the leading cause of death in the United States, and chances are you or someone you know is affected by it. Please join our very own Gene Miller for our latest WTMJ Cares initiative. Help us raise funds for a local chapter of the American Heart Association leading up to National Wear Red Day, which is this Friday, February 7th. Go to WTMJ.com for more details. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. Right. My mom passed away about 10 years ago. I miss her to this day. Just passed away about 10 years ago. Every once in a while, I, I see these stories, though, and I, I'm just, I can't picture Ann Wagner doing this. Here's the story in the Chicago Tribune. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's high. Marijuana tour buses begin rolling in Chicago with a stop at a private bring-your-own smoking lounge. Let me read you the first part of it. For her birthday... One of Mary Bikert's daughters asked for something she'd never gotten before, a marijuana tour of Chicago. So there was Bikert on a recent Saturday night with her two adult daughters in a private smoking lounge in the city where a tour bus had dropped them off, getting lessons in how to roll a joint and smoke a bong. The daughters, who lived near St. Louis, had brought their own pot after spending three hours in line to buy from a licensed store in downstate Collinsville. All right, before I go on, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm now... Just just picture picture your mom. <laughs> just picture your mom and imagine okay, could you see your mom on a tour bus taking you to a pot lounge where you are going to get instructions, lessons in how to roll a joint and smoke a bong. Huh. I'm just I'm just I try as I might. I'm trying to picture my brother and I. Now we we would go my mom liked to play bingo at, you know, night at casino and we went on a bus for every once in a while with her to go up to play bingo i can't exactly picture being on the pot bus with ann wagner and then sitting there and having the guy teach us how to use a bong or roll joints but maybe that's me all right the story continues their mother had never gotten high before and had never had the desire to try. But she recently had enjoyed using CBD, a component of marijuana that doesn't get users high, for joint pain and anxiety. Things are so different now since they legalized it, she said, so I figured I might as well. The tour guide, a rapper named Infinite, showed the ladies the proper way to smoke a bong. And then, of course, the Chicago Tribune adds, which resembles a large vertical glass pipe filled with water to cool the smoke. He warned that the high would be pretty intense, then congratulated them. Now that's how you hit a bong. (laughs) Just again, I'm I'm just picturing my mother. It's just like, I don't exactly know here. Uh, Bikert inhaled, that's the the mom, inhaled and said, I'm good, when offered more, and cracked up when her daughter told a story about singeing her eyebrows while smoking. Such is the somewhat surreal new world of marijuana tourism in Chicago. Um, Let's see, so they've got these pot buses, and apparently um, they've started. There's this one business called... Looper, L-O-O-P-R, um, what they do is they have a limo bus full of of pot people. What they do is that you, they, they don't sell you the pot, so you have to go buy shops. They will, they'll take you to marijuana shops and grow houses where you will, you, you've got to buy your own. And then what they do is they take you to 
an apartment, a condominium. The condominium offers couches and tables, bongs and pot grinders, along with coffee and tea, but no alcohol. And then what happens is you sit around and they have these people that show you how to roll joints and how to hit bongs. Huh. The law prohibits smoking in a motor vehicle, so no consumption is allowed on the bus. So you got to wait till you get to the um, you got to wait till you get to the apartment. It's again, it's the whole new world of marijuana tourism, and I'm not judging whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. I am just thinking, huh? The times they are certainly changing because I just I can't picture can't picture my brother and I taking my mom on the marijuana bus. And my mom was a sport, but I just can't picture. I can't picture that. Okay, now it's a different generation grew. Can you picture taking your mom on the marijuana bus? Uh, I don't know about my mom. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, your mom. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was in Colorado maybe a couple years ago for a concert, and I didn't want to. It's out. Uh, have you ever been to the Red Rocks? Yeah, uh, the amphitheater. Yep. It was there, yep. and uh, I had to take a bus. Um, Kaylee and I took a bus because yeah. it was a lot easier, and. That was a party bus, and that was uh, right. an environment that I was not, not <laughs> really not, right. not prepared for. Yeah, really. that's it. But okay, and that is, I mean, I understand that. But but your mom or dad? I said well, my dad. Who knows? But your maybe my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe your dad too. That's what I was, oh, maybe 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 your your dad. My dad passed away a number of years ago as well. But he. he but my mom. Now nah, I just I just I just can't quite picture that. Or I just, huh? I I I, I don't know now. You know, my wife and her adult children, I, I don't know about, I, I don't picture, I can't exactly picture that, but, you know, who knows? If my mom would be open to anything, it would be like maybe how they make the edibles, like the granola bars or the gummy bears or stuff like that, but rolling joints and, and hitting bongs, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't that's know right. if Lisa and, would be into that. And then, you, then you've got the, you know, the rapper Infinite going, hey, that's the way to hit that bong, okay. I'm, it, it's just, it, it's the brave new world that we live in. I don't know that it's coming to Wisconsin today or tomorrow, but probably sometime soon. All right. A lot of people watch the Super Bowl for the game, and it was a really good game. But let's face it, one of the other things that brings this together is is the advertisements, as we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. To run a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl cost $5 million, M as in million dollars. To run a 60-second ad, it cost $10 million dollars now depending on when you where your ad was placed maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less all right there were political ads donald trump ran two 30 second ads mike bloomberg during halftime ran one but beyond that it was all ads trying to sell products some were memorable a lot were just i candidly i i'm just i'm just wondering if i if i were if I were like running the XYZ widget company for some of the ads and I hire some of these advertising things and said, okay, we're going to take $5 million and we're going to buy a 30 second ad during the Super Bowl and you showed me some of the ads that they ran, I would go, what? You want me to spend $5 million to put that ad up on, on the screen? Are you nuts? Have you just gotten off the pot bus yourself? Those are some of the things that I were thinking. At the same time, there were some ads that were incredibly effective. Now, one of the ways that I always judge ads, and I, I say this all the time, is twofold. First of all, it's got to, you, you've, first of all, it, you, you got to know what the product is for. I mean, so often when we do these segments right after the Super Bowl, people say, well, I really like that ad or this ad or this ad. And then I'll say, well, what was the ad for? 
and there'll be a pause while I don't remember what it was. Well, if I'm going to spend $10 million on an ad, I guarantee you that you're going to remember what the ad is, is for my, my company. The second thing is I think the ads need to motivate people to at least want to go out and, and try the product, or when they're in the market for the product, at least maybe keep it first of, of mind. You know, it's if it's, oh, that was really, really clever, but it doesn't make me want to use the thing, then I think it's a waste as well. All right, with that background, if you want to see any of the ads and you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link to a USA Today story which has all the ads. You can actually watch them. Um, I, I watched a lot last evening, but I've, I've watched most of the rest of them again today. Um, let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was there an ad? that you thought stood out, an ad or maybe two ads, that stood out above above the rest, that you thought was really, really good. And similarly, w- was there an ad that you just looked at and said, ah, I can't believe they spent $5 million airing this. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Memorable Super Bowl ads, either the good, the bad, or the ugly. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you some of my favorites, and we'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Was there an ad that you thought was particularly great that really grabbed you? 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, memorable commercials for the Super Bowl, good or bad. What was your favorite? Let's start with some texts. Uh, Jeff, my most memorable and hilarious: the Cheetos popcorn. Uh, yeah, the Cheetos popcorn. What did they call that one? That's the uh, uh, that that's the one where Jimmy, uh, you can't touch this. Can't touch this. That in the ad meter results. That was number ten out of about fifty. But that was the one where the guy can't. Uh, yeah, just just doesn't doesn't touch that. Yeah, uh, let's see eight five. Uh, let's see. Uh, I liked the Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Don't know where we parked. I was following you. Yeah, the um. I I have to say this. I thought. I thought when I saw the Groundhog Day commercial with Bill Murray, at first I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of dumb. But I have to tell you, I, I absolutely loved it. I'm a big fan of the Groundhog Day movie. But what it did was, you know, it, it brought back some of the characters from the movie. And what it was able to do is it was able to, you know, recreate some of that magic of the movie, but give it a different spin. And you know what? I, I remember what the product was. This was one where, hey, they're selling Jeeps. And, and it's showing, I mean, the whole premise is, the premise of the movie was, well, Bill Murray just couldn't stand. He was trapped in the same day over and over again. Here, now that he's got this Jeep, he loves being in the same day over and over again. Plus, you had the groundhog. You know, it's kind of like I, I thought I thought that was my favorite one. And according to the ad meter results, that was the, the favorite one for a lot of people. Okay, number of people hear the text. Jeff, I love the Alexa ad with Ellen and Portia. Um, that, of course, is the one where it was like before Alexa, where that, what did we do before Alexa? And then you, it was actually, it was kind of funny and it was kind of clever, you know, showing the ways that you, you know, you, you warm your house or you cool down your house or whatever. And um, I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a good one too. On the ad meter list, that came in number um, seven of those. Uh, let's see, another text. Jeff, I loved the self-park 
um, ad with the heavy Boston accents. Yeah, that, that was an ad for Hyundai, and it, it actually came in second on the ad meter. That was the one where, again, you had the people with the heavy Boston uh, accents, and they were talking about the South Park, and the guy, you know, nobody's going to be able to park into that parking space, and he got out of the car and pushed the button, and the car automatically parked. That was... um. That was kind of cool. I admit, I thought that was kind of cool. And again, interestingly, it's one, it's one that made me think, um, boy, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd at least like to see a car that could be able to do that. Okay, some of the other highly rated ones. Number three on the ad meter ad was Loretta. That was the ad for Google, where you had the um, the senior citizen who was having memory issues and he was you know he would have a he would you know he would google and they would have things play showing you know different pictures of his his late wife presumably his late wife in uh, different settings that was a good one number four was one i didn't care about cool ranch that was the one with um uh sam elliott who was uh who was playing the the, the cowboy and I, I just, that, that to me, and they were doing the dance. I, I didn't care for that. Uh, next one, number five on the ad meter thing was cool, was comfortable. This was the one for Rocket Mortgage where the guy who played Aquaman, you know, comes home and starts taking off all the things to get comfortable in his house and at the end of the day takes off the wig. Eh, that didn't do much for me. Number six was an ad that I liked a lot. It was the next 100. It was the, the ad with the kid who was just running, and they were all going, take it to the house, and you had all these different NFL stars that were there. I thought, and then at the end, you've got all these kids that are running with different jerseys from teams out onto the super field of the Super Bowl. I thought that was a really good ad. I would actually say that next 100 ad was probably next to Groundhog Day. That was one of my very favorite ones. Then they go on. So now the flip side of this, oh, and, and it was only number 13 on the ad meter one, but I admit, maybe it's just because I'm sentimental about this stuff. The uh, the WeatherTech ad, the Lucky Dog ad, where you had the dog who, um, you know, had cancer, the 1% chance of being saved, and the University of Wisconsin medical system, you know, saves saves the dog. Um, I just, boy, that was, that was a tearjerker. I thought that was absolutely great. All right, so at the flip side, according to Ad Meter, what were the worst ones? Um, the, the political ads came in last, so let's exempt them. Worst was Pop-Tarts fixed the pretzel. Um, Squarespace, Winona in Winona. Do you remember that one? You grew, you do? That? Yeah, Kaylee liked that one. She thought that one was clever. Huh. Well... <laughs> so, so there's that. She's she's the one. Um, you know that that's that's number fifty eight on the on the list. Where's the uh, the Snickers one? Oh, where they're dropping the big Snickers thing. Yeah, in the hole. I, li- um, I like that one. You got the annoying couple that are with the selfie stick and they fall in and they're like, "All right, the world's already uh, starting to get a little bit better." Let's see the Snickers, Snickers, Snickers. Oh, I got to look at that. The, the Tide ones didn't do particularly well. Um, dot 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 Snickers. Okay, the the oh Snickers twenty five right in the middle. Snickers <laughs> right in the fixed middle. the world right in the middle. Um, the one one that I thought was really awful was the the planters the Mister Peanut one. You know they they had done the lead up one where they killed Mister Peanut and then it's the funeral and they've got all the characters and and Mister Peanut comes back essentially. weren't, weren't we saying that there was that they were going to cancel it? Right, or they were talking about delaying that because of the whole Kobe Bryant thing. 
And then they, they thought, okay, maybe it's kind of bad taste that Mr. Peanut dies in this fall. But um, candidly, I think they should have canceled it and saved the five million bucks because I thought that was an awful, awful ad. But that came in ahead of the Snickers ad. That was number twenty-three in the thing. Uh, let's see, uh, going, going into some of the other bad ones. So your 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 soon-to-be wife liked uh, the Winona and Winona. I thought that was awful. That was one where I'd be going, hey, if I, you want to spend five million dollars, I didn't know what it was for. To, to either. Your, yeah, to your point though, I couldn't tell you what it, what it was for, but she yeah. was laughing at it. So there you go. Uh, well, I, I mean, I assume it was a takeoff on Fargo or something, but I no, it's uh, that was it. Um, dot, 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 dot. A lot of the movie trailers did not do well. That's kind of that's sort of typical on that. And of course, there wasn't, um, you know, there, there weren't the Clydesdales or anything like that this year. So you know, normally you have Bud Light at the top of this. Not uh, you know, not that year. But it, they, they were interesting. They were creative. I thought this year's were more upbeat than than in some years um and and again i i thought i thought most of them were okay you know most of them were were okay i don't know that i'd say great or not but um you know the thing that really caught my attention was was the amount of money that was spent on them and you know there were a couple companies for example the, the beer company stella artois that have advertised in the super bowl before and they just took a step back and said you know we can do a lot of different promotions for for five million dollars. And I, look, I'm I'm going to be the last person that discourages advertising because I understand that's how that's how you know you pay the rights fees and all those things. That's how you keep the lights on, and you do have a large audience. But again, for some of these companies, particularly the companies where you watch the ad and and the ad either. You can't tell what it's for, or it doesn't move the needle. That isn't inspiring you to want to go out and buy that giant Snickers bar or whatever. You kind of wonder, boy, think of all the other things that you could do for 5 or $10 million, and this is how you're choosing to spend the money. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. You're going to find this out someday. One of the, there's many joys with having children, but one of the things when you have kids is that they're like little germ factories so that whatever they pick up at the daycare center in second grade, that they bring home and... You and Mrs. Gru pick it up as well. It's just one of those things that, that happens. You're also, you know, going to find out that, well, that, that's also what happens with adults. For example, last week, my Energizer Bunny of a wife, about about Thursday, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, <clears throat> do you feel okay? And she said, I kind of got this sore throat. And by Friday, she's got this like monster cold. So I am saying. Why don't you dial back all the things that you have scheduled? I know you're planning to run here and run there and run there, but. <clears throat> Next Saturday, we're, we're going on vacation for a week, and, and it's I say it's on vacation. We are f- fully booked, you know, next week. And I'm like, you know, you know, you got this cold, you want to get over it, and and she's like, yeah, 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 I know, but you know, but that doesn't stop her from from you know running this this full schedule. Well, the good news is, you know, yeah, she she got hit by this monster cold, but she was able to. She seems to be on the on the rebound, getting better from it, which is a credit. Um, the bad news is she's managed to pass it on to me. You know, she said, how are you feeling? I said, said, I'm starting to get a sore throat. That's how my cold started. So, and unlike kicking these things in two or three days, typically when I get colds, they tend to linger. So it's, it's the joy of sharing your life with somebody that, you know, you just, you know, every once in a while, 
you know, in, in sickness and in health, you start to take that stuff seriously. All right. If you were following the local news over the weekend, you saw one story after another about shootings, about automobile accidents, about hit and run. I mean, it was just, you know, if we're if we're cracking down, if we're supposedly cracking down on violence, gun violence, or we're supposedly cracking down on people driving like maniacs. Well, the, the people who drive like maniacs and want to commit crimes with guns, they they haven't gotten the word, which is why we need to be so much more aggressive in dealing with people who commit crimes before we give them an opportunity to commit even more serious crimes. And and let me me be clear, because this is what I want to start off with, the story. The number of people who are out on the roads driving without driver's licenses at all, with suspended driver's licenses, with revoked driver's licenses, is truly scary. Matter of fact, my guess is one of the reasons a lot of times you have people that decide to run on the police is they don't have driver's license in the first place. And, you know, that they know that they should not be driving, so they decide to take off and drive like a bat out of you-know-where. Unfortunately, what happens over and over and over again is when we catch people driving without a license, we do nothing to them. We fine them $200, and then they don't pay it. And then they go on and continue to drive, which brings me to this story of the death of a bicyclist um, that, that happened um, last Sunday. Here, here is the story. The guy's name is Charles Randall. He is 31 years old. Right now he is in jail awaiting and uh, he's in jail after having been charged with hit and run resulting in death and driving with a suspended license causing death. Here's what the criminal complaint says happened. 53-year-old guy riding westbound along Wright Street at 35th Street on a bicycle about 1.30 a.m. last Sunday when he was struck by Randall, okay, who was driving a, a Pontiac G6. Another driver who was delivering food that night told police that Randall, this is the bad guy, had earlier passed him on the right, staring him down as he passed, apparently angry that the other driver had waited for a bus to turn. Heaven forbid, so you got this guy that's out there, he gets mean mugged by this clown because he waits for a bus to turn. After passing, Randall pulled in front of the delivery driver and stopped. All right, so you can see where this is going. The delivery driver... <clears throat> recognizing that who knows what this guy's going to do, pulled around Randall and continued south on 35th Street uh, towards Wright Street, where he noticed the guy on the bicycle crossing east to west. The man on the bike had nearly cleared the intersection when Randall, that's the bad guy, sped by the other driver again on the right and hit the man on the bicycle. So you understand what's going on. That This bozo, he's upset because the other driver had stopped to allow a bus to turn. So then what he's doing is he pulls in front of him and stops, and when the guy goes around him, he speeds up and drives on the right and and passes him. The other driver, this is the man who, who watched Randall hit the guy on the bike, said he never saw any brake lights. First responders tried to save the guy on the bike on the scene, but he died. Uh, they got video of this. And then, of course... You know, after hitting the guy on the bike, what happens is 
the, the clown drives off. Heaven forbid that we're going to stop. Police found the dark red Pontiac, which was registered to his girlfriend. All right. He then told police, uh, the girlfriend told police he had stolen it from her. Randall initially told police someone had carjacked him and taken the Pontiac, but then admitted to hitting Barnes. He said he didn't see Barnes and didn't stop because he was scared. So he drove off. Okay. In the charges, what you notice is, one of the things he's charged with is is killing somebody while driving on a suspended license. Now I don't know exactly what the guy's record is, but I, I pulled I pulled some of his CCAP stuff up this morning in advance of the show, and what you see is you see at least one other conviction for driving while suspended. So that tells me that there have to be other convictions for driving while while suspended. So the guy doesn't have a valid license. He's been through the court system at least once, probably multiple times, and he's out there uh, again driving a car. And in this particular case, he ends up hitting and killing somebody. And now, presumably, he, he's going to go to prison for a number of years. But it doesn't bring back the guy on the bicycle who who died. You know, hit by somebody driving recklessly and driving without a license. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit this stuff makes me crazy, not just because an innocent man has died, not just because you have another one of these hit-and-run situations with somebody who has no regard for other people's lives, but again... Because you have somebody who's out there on the streets, those same streets that you and I drive on, who is driving without a license, who knows he's not supposed to be doing that, and just doesn't give a rat's rump. And here's part of the problem why this goes on. It's because we let it go on, because we have made the decision that driving on a suspended license, driving on a revoked license, driving without a driver's license is not a big deal unless and until you hit and kill somebody. Well, then, then okay, yeah, then, then you get charged, then you're going to prison for 10 or 15 years or, or whatever. But, but this idea that's out there that we foster, that it's not a big deal to go out and drive without a license. To me, I think that is one of the factors, not the only one, but it's one of the factors that is contributing to all the dangerousness that we end up seeing on the roadways. And the idea that you can have people who continue to drive without licenses, who get caught, and then if they go through the system, they get fined 200 bucks and sent on their way is absolutely crazy to me. I understand that prison space is scarce. I understand that jail space is scarce. But as long as we continue to treat driving without a license like just a slap on the wrist, you're going to continue to have more and more of these stories out there. And it makes the rest of us look like chumps. All the rest of us who make sure we've got insurance. All the rest of us who make sure that when our licenses come up, we you know do all the stuff we've got to do to renew them. We're chumps because you've got, again, th- this criminal element that's out there that does this over and over again and just gets away with it over and over again. When are we going to say enough is enough? Like maybe... Right, first time you get caught, you know, driving without a license. Okay, then you're fine. Second time you get caught, maybe a few months in the county jail, and maybe week that car. That'll get your attention, or it'll get the attention of your friends who are lending you the cars. 
855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of listening to the radio news or turning on the television or looking in the newspaper and seeing here's some other innocent guy gets hit by a hit-and-run driver who doesn't have a driver's license or is suspended or revoked or whatever and doesn't care. I mean, maybe we should be doing something to get those people off the road before they kill people. Let's start with Ken on the north side. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I just wanted to say, I, I think it was like two weeks ago, I was looking at the news, and a guy that shook the family down in front of uh, the Pfizer phone, the judge, I yep. was literally watching the news, and the judge told him, don't drive no more, you get a $2,500 signature bond. Yep. I'm sitting here shocked, like this man left a family literally laying in front of the, the Pfizer phone that died. Right. And, and took off, and, and took off, and, and ran, remember? Yeah. Took yeah. off, yeah. Right, right, exactly. So the, the police have to search this guy down just for the judge to tell him, no, go back home and just see who else you can run down. I blame the judges. Well, it, right, it, it, well, right, it is. I mean, it's the judges, it's the DAs, it's this whole idea of not holding people accountable because they don't think hit and run is a big deal. They don't think driving without a license is a big deal. And, and you know, Ken, what what do you think is going to happen? you got somebody who doesn't have a license, doesn't care, driving recklessly. It's only a matter of time before that person hits and kills somebody or seriously exactly. injures somebody. No. Exactly. And how, is it, how, how insulting is it to that family to hear the guy that just ran you down, we just told him, don't drive again, and we gave him a $2,500 signature bond. He's out, but meanwhile, your kids are in the hospital. Yep, exactly. I mean, thank, no, and, and, it, and I think, I mean, see, part of the problem is, if you talk to some of these judges, they will say, Jeff, you don't understand how often this happens. We are overwhelmed by this. To which my response would be, okay, maybe, maybe we are overwhelmed with this. Because we don't treat this like it's a big deal. Because we make apologies for people. Oh, your license was suspended, but you know you you want to get to work. Well, okay, so we're going to look the other way. Well, okay, th- then why bother? I mean, and again, it it plays most of us just as chumps. Th- those of us who we have a current driver's license, we have the insurance. It would you know never occur to us to hit somebody and, and run away. And again, I I I understand. In this case, the guy's story is yeah. For, I mean, he lied about it. The car was stolen. Okay, so he, he drives off. He lies about it. And then, well, I, I hit him and I was I was just scared. Well, okay, I don't know why he was scared other than the fact that maybe it's because he was driving without a license in the first place and didn't want to be held responsible. What do you think is going to happen? And this is a comment I'm offering to you, but specifically to some of the judges out there. What do you think is going to happen? When you get somebody who doesn't have a license, who's been caught driving without it, and you say, okay, here's the deal, I, I'm going to fine you 200 bucks," a- And they may pay it, they may not pay it. If they don't pay it, you're not going to do anything to them anyways. What do you think is going to happen when you do that? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. The person is going to continue driving and will continue driving and will get tickets and they will use those tickets to paper you know, the wall of their den unless and until they finally hit and kill somebody or seriously injure somebody, and then the system is going to put them in prison. My only comment is, why don't we do something before they hit and kill somebody? Is that too much to ask for? Susan in Aaron. Susan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. So I, I agree. I think the person who's giving them their vehicle, loaning them their vehicle, should be held accountable also. Yep. You, you, if you're loaning a friend your vehicle, you're going to tell me you have no clue whether they have a license or not? This was this guy's girlfriend. Yeah. She, she knows he has no license. 
she knows that he's probably going to drive at some point in time if she hasn't allowed him before. Yep. Why is she? You have to hide your keys. No different than your kids. You see these all the time where these kids are stealing their parents' keys. Yep. You, you know they do that kind of stuff. Well, you, you know, hide the keys. You put them somewhere, lock them up. I don't care. Well, you know what I would do, Susan. I and I, I've said this before. I'd I'd start seizing the cars. I, I mean, I would start seizing the cars, and then I agree. Putting the burden on the person to come in and prove that they're an innocent owner. If the girlfriend, you know, and, and we, we know, let, let's talk in general terms. Generally speaking, you're exactly right. You know, when it's the boyfriend's driving the girlfriend's car, whatever, she knows he doesn't have a license. I mean, he's just using, he's using that car. I would say you see you seize the car, and then if the person wants to come in and argue that they're truly an innocent owner, that they had no idea this was going on, well, fine, let them let them prove that. But the presumption is you knew what was going on because you know darn well that's what happens most of the time. Yeah, take no, right. they, no different than drunk driving. Take Same I, thing. I, I'm you, with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, take the car. No, thanks. I'm I'm with you. You I want to tell if you want to start talking about something that would cut down the incidence of people driving without a license, you start seizing cars. First of all, it takes the car. Let's assume that the car is owned by the guys driving without the license or the bank or whatever. You seize it, you give it back to the bank or whatever. That gets their attention because they don't have a car. If you if it's again, it's your friend it's your boyfriend, it's your girlfriend or whatever, you've lent them a car, you know darn well that they don't have a license because you've probably been in court with them the three or four times they've been through this before. You let them keep driving. You take that car. I guarantee you, you know, if I knew that, gee, lending my buddy who doesn't have a license my car to drive, if I knew that they were going to take my car, well, all right, I can tell you the next time my buddy asked me to drive, I'd say, no, I'm sorry, because I just don't want to take the chance that my car is going to be gone. But the bottom line is, no matter how we approach this, we can't stop ignoring the problem. For goodness sakes, people are dying. People are dying, and we're not doing anything, and that's unacceptable. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Tony from Milwaukee sends a text. Jeff, um, Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department and our police in Oak Creek will tow a car if you have no license, regardless if it's yours or not. City of Milwaukee needs to do the same. All they do is give you a $20 ticket, $120 ticket, and let you drive away. Yeah, how, how does that how does that solve the problem? We're going to give you a ticket that you're probably not going to pay, and then we're going to let you drive away, and then you know, three days later we're going to hope that you don't come back and kill somebody else while you're driving without a license. Um, interesting. You know, there was a story in the paper the other day. There, there are two distinct approaches to dealing with crime in, in Wisconsin. You have the, the Tony Evers and his ilk approach, which is we have too many people in prison. And what we want to do is we want to cut down the prison population in half as quickly as we can. We want to go from 24,000 to 12,000. Now, that means you're going to have to let a lot of people out of prison who worked very, very hard to get themselves into prison. It also means you're going to have to take a lot of people who are currently committing crimes, and you're going to have to do something with them other than send them to prison. I think that's insanity. Now, the story, the way, and this is, of course, the way the paper spins it, some Wisconsin Republicans want to crack down on crime, but their plans would cost millions of dollars. That's because... 
people like me, say that when you commit crimes, what you have to do is you have to pay penalties for them and probation and double secret probation and not sending people to prison after they've committed multiple offenses and taking people who've gotten or on probation already who commit additional crimes and not putting them behind bars is insane. And yes, that means that we have to pay more money. But, you know, at some point in time, what is the cost of public safety? Releasing dangerous people or recidivist criminals out on the street over and over again might be something that Tony Evers and some of his pals thinks is a good idea for those of us who are looking out for the safety of the community as opposed to wanting to appease political correctness. There's only one way to go, and that is if you commit crimes, you will be locked up.